This is the St. Louis Podcast Network. You're listening to the Last Man Up Podcast, a part of the St. Louis Podcast Network. Matt Berger, Clay Byersdorfer, and Andy Hanselman alongside. Wherever you are listening to us, whenever you are listening to us, we hope you are well. Happy New Year, if you haven't heard that enough. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. If, if you're listening in August of 2019. If you're listening in August of 2019. Happy New Year. I still want to tell you, Happy New Year. <laughs> Hard to believe, 1999 is now officially 20 years ago. Wow. I heard the stat today that kind of blew my mind. In 81 years, it will be the year 3000. In 81 of, years. Like someone born today. Will what? Be 80, yeah. 81 years. Yeah, that seems... No, it'll be, 20, no, it'll be 2100. 2100, that's what I meant. 2100. Okay. It's kind of weird to think about. A little bit. I saw a tweet that said, think about this. Kids born in 2010 are now 18 years old. That's crazy. Mm. It's yeah. not true. It's bad math. That is bad math. That's They'd be They'd nine. be eight. They'd be eight or nine. Eight or nine, yeah. Yeah. What? Okay, what are you guys doing to me already in the middle of this podcast? <laughs> Giving me all these different we're exhibit, years. We're exhibiting... Terrible man. Everybody's hung over from New Year's Eve still is what it is. That's 100% what it is. Uh, Joining us a little bit later in the podcast will be the great Rennie Knott from Today in St. Louis on Channel 5 uh, KSDK. Quite possibly the nicest man in St. Louis media. Not even debatable. Quite possibly. Quite possibly. Uh, 2019 already off to a rough start. We lost the captain from Captain and Tennille. Mm. Oh, I didn't hear about that one. Yes, we lost Super Dave Osborne. Bob AKA, Einstein. A.K.A. Funkhauser, a better known as Bob Einstein, brother to Albert Brooks. Albert Brooks. A lot of people do not know that, but Albert Brooks and... I did not know that. They are, they are brothers. And then closer to home, uh, affecting the show, we've lost the great mean Gene Okerlund. Uh, was very saddened when I heard the news. I had mean Gene on my 590 show, I think two or three times, I can't remember, and then we had him on our podcast once. Uh, mean Gene, never disappointed. He was always great. Uh, anytime I needed to book him for the show, he was always eager to do it. Mm. Um, I always called him Mr. Okerlund, and he insisted that I called him <laughs> Gene, but I still called him Mr. Okerlund because, I mean, it's it's someone of his stature and of his legacy. He deserves to be called Mr. Okerlund. Yep. Kind of like how you guys call me Mr. Hanselman. I call you off Mr. The air. All, all, well, yeah. Mr. Hanselman, good to see you that's, this that's evening. That's what it is. Well, we you, call you, you a lot of things off the yeah, air. Yeah, you sure we call you whenever you're not around. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> But uh, it, it's sad to hear that, Mr. Sad. that that Mean Gene is no longer with us. Seventy six yep. years old. Uh, the cause of death has not been released as of, as of this recording, which is on Wednesday night. Um, I know that he had kidney problems in the past, and also knowing Mean Gene, Mean Gene, uh, he he was a man of many vices. He he, 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 he had a lot lived of different full, tastes. He lived a full life. He Let's did. just put it that way. He I'm did. not. He wasn't. I'm not saying he's a horrible addict or anything like that. But no. Mean Gene was far from a monk. He had a good time. Uh, one of the best storytellers I've ever heard in oh, my yeah. entire life. Yep. Uh, he still had the pipes. That was a thing at yep. 76. Had a booming, booming he voice. He still had that big booming voice. You know, we were we were going through the the audio of the interview that we did on Last Minute Podcast uh, when we first started to get going. And just hearing his voice, you're like, I mean, he sounded, he was sharp as a tack. And it was, yeah. and it sounded great. Um, he may have been on enjoying some vices a little bit earlier in the afternoon. <laughs> we called him in the evening. Yeah. yeah it's, he's an hour, he was an hour ahead of us. Yeah. yeah. So he may have been out and about. <laughs> but still, I mean, it, it was, it's almost sad. Like, it's like talking to a ghost. I know. Hearing that yeah. recording was very strange. But still, I mean, and I, I only talked to him the one time. It, it, what a blast, though. He he was I I first fell in love with me Gene when I heard him on when Dan Levitard was on just in Miami and he was on in the afternoon okay and they would call Mean Gene every Friday afternoon every Friday afternoon they would call Mean Gene Okerlund <laughs> and I'm like that's when I realized that Mean Gene Okerlund is radio gold yeah because they would get him where it would already be happy hour yep <laughs> and Mean Gene would already have a couple of drinks in him and was not afraid to talk about whatever no they were talking they would talk about old wrestling they would talk about women they talked about all of it and just he just just the way that his quick wit and the the tone of his voice he was the ultimate straight man mm-hmm. that's what made him so great <laughs> in wrestling you got these cartoon characters 
you know, painted up and hairless and oily and wearing their underwear. And then here you got Mean Gene Okerlund, who looks like a banker. Right. Wearing a tuxedo and just played the best straight man ever. Yeah, absolutely. No one played it any better. Uh, we do have a little bit of a treat here for you. We have an audio clip that we that we thought uh, really encaptured uh, the spirit of Mean Gene from our interview that we had with him back in April. Yeah, Clay thought that, uh, or asked him what he uh, thought about what had changed from the from the from uh, from the present to the past, and this is him elaborating on that now. Working for the company, and I'm very happy at 75 years of age to uh, be doing a lot of things that some of my other brethren are either not here to do or not capable of doing. So uh, uh, I, I've, I've seen the thing morph into what we have today from the WrestleMania ones and, of course, that, that golden era back in the 80s and the early 90s. And then, of course, my tenure in WCW, crazy things like the Nitro Girls. I don't want to hear about that. And Stacey <laughs> Keebler. So there he is, the late, uh, the late Mean Gene Okerlund. Rest in peace, my friend. I know you're flying off the top turnbuckle in heaven right now. I think one of the biggest thing, and one of the biggest takeaways for me is I'm not a big wrestling fan. Uh, you know, I've watched it here and there, big events, but you knew who Gene Okerlund was just from the presence that he carried across sports. You know, across a whole, absolutely you know, as a whole, and you can hear it in his voice, the amount of passion that he has. You know, and and that he takes with him and everything that you know, I assume that he did, but. He was a polarizing figure, and, and you said it bad. I mean, it was just weird news to wake up to today and see, and it, it definitely was talking like a ghost, but gone but never forgotten. I'm not that big of a wrestling fan now, but loved it as a child, and that like was part of my childhood. That passed away today was Mean Gene Okerlund. Yep. Um, what was it, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the Buster Douglas uh, 30 for 30. Yep. And I remember they always, you know, the uh, wrestling and boxing, they always kind of like interloped with each other, whether it would be, you know, Thunderlips, you know, played by Hulk Hogan and Rocky III. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the WWF at the time would always have boxers on, like to do promos, and sometimes they'd be guest referees and, right. and stuff like that. And they had Buster Douglas on, and he and Hulk Hogan, they were, this is after he knocked out Mike Tyson, and they were hearing Mean Gene say this now is even more funny. Right. That, but uh, Buster Douglas was talking to Mean Gene Okerlund about how he and Hulk Hogan were both going to celebrate their big victories. And he go, Buster Douglas goes, I think we're going to go out drinking. And Mean Gene Okerlund uh, you know, acted a gasp, a gasp at, <laughs> at the idea of those guys going out drinking. He's yeah. like, drinking? <laughs> it's like, you can't be serious. Oh, no, not drinking. <laughs> and, and Buster Douglas said that he was a buttermilk fan and that a whole that Hulk Hogan was a whole milk fan. Oh wow. So they're going yeah. they were going to go out and drink milk. But it's just kind of funny to now to think about Mean Gene being, you know, shocked that people were going to go out and and have a cocktail or two. I have a Mean Gene top 10 here from YouTube. You guys want to hear a little bit of it? We can edit it out if it sucks. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Well, hotline fans, I have got a hotline rumor for you. Spring is in the air, and apparently so is love. And this particular love affair, I can't say anything about on television. Folks, there is a new WCW champion, that belt having changed hands overseas. Attention hotline fans, I'll have the report on this new belt holder in World Championship Wrestling all night long during my exclusive hotline report right on up until midnight tonight. Hey, attention hotline fans, tonight, yes, tonight in Los Angeles... World Championship Wrestling unveils a secret weapon that may finally cause a rival wrestling organization to crumble. You will not see any of this unfold on television. Okay, so these are these are him promoing calls to his hotline okay. that he had during the nineties. Those <laughs> uh, those pipes, man. I mean, like, what what would you do to get those? What, like, oh my god. I mean, what, he could. What, narr- what, what he, portion of your soul would you sell to get those pipes? If I had his pipes, I—I I mean, no offense to you guys, I wouldn't be sitting here. I'd be no, doing well, every, I'd be narrating every TV commercial <laughs> possible. We'd be, every we'd be stunned film. if you were here. Yes, yeah, we would. We would be stunned. This is a good one here too. It's a day that I'm certain my guest at this time will not forget. I'm talking about the former Intercontinental Champion of the World, Macho Man nothing Randy. Means that, nothing means nothing. Nothing means nothing. Nothing means nothing. What do you mean by that? I'm talking about all the way to the top, yeah. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. But the cream will 
rise to the top. Oh, yeah. My true madness, yeah, has got more to offer than President Jack Tunney thinks that I got. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you something right now. Cards stacked against the Macho Man Randy Savage in WrestleMania 3. Yeah, let me say it. Yeah, let me say it out loud. And let me point to the president of the World Wrestling Federation. The Macho Man Randy Savage is not happy with your decision. Yeah, I am the cream in the World Wrestling Federation. What you can't do is he's holding a little things a half and half. You know that I'm the cream of the crop. Wait wait a minute, though, Randy. I've got to ask you very seriously. Do you blame Mr. Jack Tunney, the distinguished president of the World Wrestling Federation, for Ricky Steamboat being the Intercontinental Champion today? The county keeps a straight face during this. Yeah, the entire time. The entire time. Yeah, no, I'm living in a nightmare, and I am the cream. (laughs) Not only the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship belt must fall, but the World Heavyweight Championship belt. Because Hulk Hogan, yeah, I am the cream, yeah. The cream and like, of the crop. Macho Man's doing and there is magic no one that half does it better than the Macho like Man Randy Savage. On balance, off balance, doesn't matter. I'm better than you are, yeah. And I'm talking to everyone in the World Wrestling Federation. And I'm even talking to President Jack Tunney, yeah. I'm on my way. And he's just and rambling. Yeah. rambling. He's going to stop me. Nothing's going to stop me. You know, just out of curiosity, Randy, and I certainly don't want to diminish your tremendous uh, God-given talents, but, but I'm very curious. I haven't seen Elizabeth lately. Yeah. She's on the outside of the ring. Does she interfere in matches? Yeah. Nothing. Zero. Yeah. Pure athlete. Yeah. And I've been, uh, yeah, maligned from the top to the bottom. And because they can't handle the macho man Randy Savage, the cream of the crop, nobody does it better. <laughs> yeah, just you come across some characters in Worldwide. Unbelievable. You, you, you do. I mean, it's 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 cartoons come to life. I mean, the I know a few people who are really, really, absolutely love wrestling, and that's kind of like the part that they love the most. Mm. It's just that kind of part of it. Like the, the the inside of the ring, they don't care that much about. It's all the stuff outside the ring. But you were one of the best, Mean Gene. I'm sad that uh, that we'll never have you on again. Uh, was always looking forward. To, I was actually thinking about, you know, kind of looking forward to the calendar flipping over. We're going to yep. be closer to WrestleMania. I figured we were, that we were going to be calling him soon. Yeah, I was gonna, just thinking about the other day. We're going to have Mean Gene on again, and he never disappoints. And and unfortunately, uh, he got called home. So rest in peace, Mean Gene Oakland. We're going to miss you. We can't call the Macho Man Randy Savage either. No, he he was he's been gone for a long time. Yeah, yeah. A lot of those wrestlers. It's amazing how many of them are gone. Yep. There's just something about that industry, something about that lifestyle, lifestyle where you do not have a long life. You do not because you abuse your body in more ways than one. Yes, that's what a lot of it is. I mean, they're here for a good time, not for a long time, I guess is the best way to put when it. When I was traveling last year with um, with my buddy Roderick and, and Road Warrior Animal, he was telling us some stories. Pretty much there's a lot of downtime when you're on the road with WWE and there's a lot of drinking. Well, I mean, just I, a lot of hanging out, a lot of, you know, you're away from the families and stuff. One of the best stories I've ever heard Mean Gene talk about was one about uh, Ric Flair and how drunk Ric Flair used to get. Woo! And they would be at a restaurant. Now, I can't tell the story as well as Mean Gene did. Just, mm-hmm. just imagine Mean Gene telling this story about Ric Flair getting so inebriated that by the end of the night, all he was wearing as he was dancing on top of a table was a pair of finely shined wingtip shoes. That's, That's it. it. Uh, yeah, he'd be butt naked, ugh. except for his shoes, up there dancing on a table. It's an image to see. Yeah. I mean, we'll never get out of my brain, unfortunately, now. But, yeah, Mean Gene, we're going to miss you. Wish you could have you on again. Rest in peace, buddy. Joining us on the phone right now is the host of uh, Today in St. Louis on Channel 5 KSDK every weekday morning. You can follow him on Twitter at Sports. You can also catch him at his home away from home, Twin Peaks in Chesterfield, <laughs> where I always seem to run into him. Uh, Rennie Knott, how are you, sir? I'm good, but you can't get my spot away. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's going to be crowding him now. My seats and everything else, you know? Oh, come on. I'm sure they've got like your, your, your spots reserved like Norm and Cheers. I, I wish. I wish. <laughs> no, I, I know what? It's funny because um, the first time I went to Twin Peaks was in Atlanta, like, gosh, 
six, seven years ago. And I thought, okay, this is kind of all right. But, you know, we lacked for such a sports bar in the Chesterfield area. Yeah. So when it opened up and the TVs and the TVs were set up, I go, okay, I can come here. And my wife doesn't mind going over there as well. And, you know, we sit, we watch the games and she was able to watch the Ducks play. You know, she's a big Oregon fan and all that. So it was, it's been our college football spot all season long. I, I'll admit to that. Speaking of college football, a couple of dog playoff games Oof. on a Saturday between Notre Dame and Clemson and yeah. OU and Alabama. Do you yeah. think those? Do you think those two games, and then you see LSU beat UCF, but then you see Texas beat Georgia? I know. Do you I think? Know. Do you think what happened on Saturday? Do you think that makes a case stronger or weaker for for a college football playoff expansion? Oh, I think it makes it stronger. I, I think you need to expand it because just having the four. I mean, just look at the playoffs in general. Go to the NFL where it's, you know, one and done, not the series type of stuff. And you realize that if you don't bring your A game every week, you're going to be out because everybody's playing at hopefully at their best at that point. And, of course, luck falls in people's hands and things like this. But I looked at those games this weekend. I thought, okay, these are going to be dogfights. Man, it was nothing. And then you go you go to the games yesterday I'm going, okay, well, you know, UGA, everybody figured they're going to be right there for the national championship. They had a great argument. No, not not in the ballpark whatsoever. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I look at it this way. I think if you expand it and Clemson and, and uh, Alabama come out on top, great. But at least you've gone through everybody to give everybody a good fighting chance to get there. Uh, I, I just feel watching this, this weekend, you can really tell that, these other guys just weren't ready to play. You know, I don't know if they took somebody for granted or what, but they just weren't ready to play. Uh, Rennie, I'm curious to know what your take is on that uh, Mizzou loss over the weekend. Uh, Tigers falling 38 to 33 to Oklahoma State. Some questionable coaching decisions. That's the best way to describe it. Yes, questionable. Uh, So I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on that game. I'm going to say he was outcoached. Yeah. You know, Gundy is Gundy. You got to admit, he's been there, done that. He's been around for a while, and obviously – He's had Oklahoma State in in the picture for a while. And Odom is coming up, and you thought Odom, after uh, the win over Florida, you thought, okay, maybe he can have a signature. Then they get on a roll. They go into the bowl. You're thinking, all right, they got this game. But the decisions made in that game, it wasn't his players. It came down to the coaches making the bad moves here and there. And then I, I got to give Oklahoma State some moxie for the fact that these guys came out there balling. They yep. came out there trying to intimidate, and, you know, they never let up. Where I think Mizzou felt like they had it going, and then at some point they just started thinking, we're not there yet. And you look at the players and their postures and things like this, we're just not there yet. I thought they should have ran the ball more. You know, Roundtree was running hard. He was getting yards. They took the ball out of his hands. Uh, they kept trying to go downfield. And I think when you look at the way the um, Oklahoma State Defensive backs are playing. They're aggressive, man. They were so aggressive that I don't. I don't know if the Mizzou receivers really wanted to play every down against those guys the way they were coming at them. Why let's you, put it that way. Why do you think coaches do that uh, from the on the offensive side of the ball? Like you said, you have uh, Roundtree gro- uh, going. He's picking up yeah. yards and, and and chunks, and they just, for some reason abandon the ground game and start throwing the ball through the air. Why do coaches do that? Help me. Out. I think. I think coaches want to feel like they're coaching this game. So let me show you. Instead of riding it, I mean, you watch Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick rides it, okay? He knows his game plan. He doesn't change things up. It stays the way it is. We win, we win, we lose, we lose. But these other coaches think, okay, I got I to gotta show I can coach. Let me throw a wrinkle in there. Let me change things up. This is, this, this is going all right, but they're going to catch on to it. So let me, let me stop it now. My thing is, and I, I played running back in college, I'm like, let me run the ball if they stop me. <laughs> Then you start throwing the ball. Yeah, but right. until they can stop me, we're gonna, let's keep doing what's successful for us. And coaches have a tendency to get away from those things. And I don't know if it's because they want to show that, look, I'm just coach and we're winning because of my game planning, or if they just sort of feel like at some point the bottom's going to drop out, so let me change right now. It's like, let make the other team stop you. Joe Gibbs was so successful with the Redskins over his seasons because they would run the ball. They run it to the right, you stop them, they run it to the left. Stop them, they run it up the middle. Then they might throw. But they didn't deviate from what their plan was. Their plan was to come at you and come at you full force, make you stop them. And until you could stop them, they just kept coming. And I think a lot of the times these younger coaches stop themselves because they overthink the process. 
Rennie, uh, we've had the privilege to watch Drew Locke uh, blossom from a highly touted mm. high school recruit mm-hmm. into now a top 10 you know, projected NFL draft pick. Uh, what are your impressions of his career, and where does he you know, stand for you in terms of all-time great Missouri quarterbacks? Wow. <laughs> you know what? It, because things have evolved so much over the course of time, you go back, you thought Chase Daniel was the guy. Yeah. You know, and, and you go back beyond that, Brad Smith, that's the guy. The evolution keeps taking place. I love the kid. I, I think when he got in there, I thought, you know, he's he's thin. He's got this arm, but he's got no accuracy. And then it seemed like he he mentally couldn't stay focused on what he needed to do. But these last couple of seasons, I think he proved to me that he's definitely a first-round draft pick. Is he the best quarterback coming out? No. I, I think uh, the kid from Ohio State, if he comes out, is probably the best. But I think he's that next guy. He's certainly, in my opinion, a franchise. I'm not going to take it back. I'm not going to say a franchise quarterback. That still has to be proven. But I think he's a gamble worth a first-round pick on. Absolutely. I I think he's that good. Rennie Knott from today in St. Louis joining us right now on the phone. Uh, Rennie, there's this Notre Dame problem I like to call. The the college (laughs) football has a Notre Dame problem. (laughs) And that, okay, if Notre Dame is undefeated, you have to put them in the college football playoff. I think you have to. They're Notre Dame. They usually usually play a pretty tough schedule. But I saw this thing on Twitter, like going back to like 1995, 11 big bowl games. They are 0 for 11, and their average margin of defeat is by 20-plus points. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do? When, so what do you do? I saw with, that graphic. So what do you do? <laughs> so when, no, I, what do you do with Notre just, Dame? I was astonished as you are about it. But see, Notre Dame, Notre Dame's like the Cubs. They're like the Bulls. Some of these teams that just the entire nation is captivated by. Mm-hmm. Not a region, but the nation. And your Notre Dame alums, your Notre Dame fundraisers, they're all over us. Okay, they're everywhere. There's a big backing right here in St. Louis. So when you look at it that way. That's why a team like that is always given the benefit of the doubt because I think they figure we're going to get the TV audience, we're going to get the butts in the seats, we're going to sell tickets. But if we go with some of these other schools, are they going to travel? Will they show up? What's their following? I, I think Notre Dame is good for college football. At least good you know? for the at least good for the business side. It's good for the business side, yeah. and, I, and I think it's good. We think about traditional teams. Your USC's, your Notre Dame's, your Miami's, your Alabama's. You need those programs to have some type of, uh, what I want to say, um, um, position publicly. Because when they do, I think it brings more people into the mix, more people watching college football. When you get your your Central Florida's, who's looking at Central Florida's like, really? Who are these guys? <laughs> they have no tradition. They have no background. Yeah, they've been hot as of late, but... I want to see my traditional powers, the people I grew up with, the people my dad grew up with. I want to see those teams play. I think college football has something different from NFL football. It has that passion that it's a part of me. You know, I either went to that school or followed that school. I wanted to go to that school. And that's where people tend to have these allegiances. And Notre Dame is one of those schools where no matter if they're good or bad, they're always a part of the conversation. Rennie, I'm curious, though, as to what really the fix is. I mean, if you're Notre mm-hmm. Dame, you're in that administration, you're in that athletic office, mm-hmm. you can't be naive to the fact that, yes, the conversation is being had that Notre Dame does not belong, you know, in, in a playoff bowl game because they don't right. play in a conference. Right. You know, they may not necessarily play the hardest schedule. What's What's right. the fix? Is there any fix, or do they just continue <laughs> to remain naive to the fact, you know, everyone else thinks that they suck? Until Notre Dame goes O for a season. <laughs> That's got to be it, I guess. I think one win, they'd still be a part of the conversation. Well, you know, the referees were against them or something. I, You know, it, that's that's a tough one. I just think it, with Notre Dame, it's just one of those teams, one of those programs that defies conferences, defies regions. It's Notre Dame. You know, you know equated to the Cardinals in baseball. The Cardinals are a regional team. As much as we, we claim them as they're ours here in St. Louis, and yes, they are, but they really are a regional team. Um, you look at the Yankees. Yankees are a regional team. You go to the NFL. You know, Patriots, but there's a lot of people, the Oakland Raiders and the Patriots, maybe, and the Cowboys. Three teams that probably get jerseys all over the United States. Oh, Green yeah. Bay Packers. And it's teams, and Notre Dame is one of those teams where people – just for some reason, Newt Rockney, whatever you want to say over the course of time, uh, is kind of hung with people where they want to stay 
leave or one say loyal to those particular programs and give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, will there be a coaching change there? Hey, I thought after Michigan lost, I don't know. They're going to change Harbaugh. Harbaugh's got to go because he can't get him to the next level. He's got to get him to that in the playoff thing. Will Kelly stay there at Notre Dame? I think he, you know, he's got him back in the mix. But losing like the way they did, you know, sometimes these programs don't want to hang on that long, waiting for somebody to blossom. It's that's, like you sh- you need to win yesterday. That's where the business side kicks in. Exactly. Yeah, and it's a business. Think about the millions of dollars. Oh yeah, hundreds. It's not. It's not even millions. It's hundreds of millions of dollars that are at stake here. And there's a lot of pockets being lined, a lot of programs being elevated because of the money coming into the conferences. And then if you're an independent, that's all your money by yourself. You know, look at it that way, too. You're talking and about they the, can't sit there and let things pass them by. Yeah, it, it, the, I think the Notre Dame factor is also part of the of the whole discussion to redo or, or add teams to the CFP. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And where... Uh, there will be eight teams. There will be five conference champions. I think there's a big problem with the Pac-12 as well. Well, I mean, yeah. like, no, right now there's three. No, but there's, there'll, there'll be, and there, then there will be three at large. Three at large. That's, that's, and so that's, one of that's them, always been my solution. And yep. so one of them is, and so and that eliminates your Notre Dame problem because then you have a spot for Notre Dame every mm-hmm. year if they have it. You know, if you mm-hmm. need one for them, and you do because you're right. The the national appeal. I mean, hell, they're the only college with a national television contract on NBC. Yeah. yeah. Think about that. I mean, that's that's huge money Think too. Think about that. Think about. It. I mean, Texas doesn't have that, right? They, no, they, know, they have their own big, network, big, <laughs> right? Well, but I mean, but they got that that big deal. But these guys are on. You don't need a certain cable box, right? No, they're on football. NBC on Channel Five. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Saturdays, KSK, Saturday, Saturday afternoon, Saturday evenings. <laughs> Home games only, though. But still, a lot of games. I don't know. Like, I don't is it, know. Is it, oh, is it only home games? It's only home games. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Didn't it used to be? Games. Didn't it used to yeah. be all their games? I think it used to only be. I think it was I, always the home okay. games. Okay. I think. Well, I think in the original, it it was a couple of road games. I mean, you got to go back. I was I wasn't with NBC when they first got this this particular contract, but I I do think for a while there they had more than what you're seeing now. I see less games now than what we had in the past when they when they were expected to be what they were and then they didn't get there i think they took less less tv games on nbc but regardless of what happened in the playoffs we got what we wanted we got number one versus number two yeah. undefeated versus undefeated Renny not who are you putting the who are you putting the house payment on uh who, who are you putting the big <laughs> money talk, on you will have to talk to mrs not <laughs> now if we're just playing with monopoly money sure i would i would put my money on clemson oh wow really i, I like Dabo. I like Dabo a lot, and I'm starting to warm up to Nick Saban. But Alabama is just, gosh, Alabama Alabama's the, the <laughs> one that you want to root against all the time. Yeah, you know, no matter who they're playing, you could hate the other team all season long, but on that particular day, you want them to pull off the upset of Alabama. Um, and I think Saban has has kind of changed in my eyes over the last year, where you're seeing more of a human, not this robotic mean guy who you know was nasty to the media but actually seems human oh wow he's got feelings i, I kind of <laughs> like this guy and Tua, you gotta like Tua, yeah. and, and you know jalen hurts for what he was able to do to come back in and this uh, selflessness and stuff like that so there are some good storylines that you could certainly you know appreciate but i i just like clemson you know i like what Dabo has done from day one and how he kind of rose up and got this team to be what they are and able to change quarterbacks and still keep rolling like they're doing. So I'm going to go Clemson in this game. I can't bet anything more than like $200 of Monopoly money. <laughs> but that's, that's where I would throw it down. Definitely on Clemson. Randy, do you think Dabo is kind of one of those guys that gets inside Saban's head? We look at Nick Saban as this polarizing <laughs> figure within college football, and you know nobody can beat him. But to me, yeah. I think Dabo has got his number a little bit. What do you think? Well, I, I would say a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. I, not enough for me to go, oh, you know, he's in his head. But enough for him to think, okay, I got to coach him up for this particular game against Clemson. I cannot let Alabama come into this game thinking it's just another game. We got to elevate our, our play. You, the matchup that I would like to see in football, and, and tell me if you guys think this would be something good. You need equal players, first of all. You need a neutral field. But I would love – for a pickup football game to be coached on one side by Belichick and the other side by Nick Saban. Oh wow! Oh yeah! Oh my goodness! Just to let them just match to watch wits. a chess match. Yes. Yeah, you know, in other, you don't have any NFL caliber players, nothing like that. 
you just got, you know, 22 guys, 11 on offense, 11 on defense. That, that's your two rosters. Let's go play football. And I want to see them make these two teams great. That would be incredible to see. Just because of what they've done coaching-wise with what they've been able to uh, bring into their programs. And I, I think both those guys are, are huge fans of each other, too. I oh, think yeah. there's, there's a lot of mutual respect between mm-hmm. uh, Bill Belichick and Nick Saban. There's got to be something mm-hmm. to that. Even like with La Russa. And Bob Knight. And, yep. and, and, and Bob yeah. Knight. There's just something <laughs> yeah. about those old-school coaches that they just kind of like are big admirers of each other. Well, I think they know, too, that they're, they are that, what I want to say, they're on that island that's getting smaller and smaller and shrinking mm-hmm. and shrinking, that you've got all these new names coming up. Uh, I mean, look at Dabo. So Dabo's been around, what, 10 years? Mm-hmm. And yet he's, wow, he's that new school guy. Look what's happening over here. Yeah. And these coaches are changing so much, which I think is good because I'm getting tired of seeing the same old coaches recycled around, going from here to there to there to here. It's nice to see some new names coming to the mix. Now they got to win in order to keep their status. But it's, it's nice to see. But those old coaches – they're shrinking. You know, we just Marvin Lewis just got dumped from the Bengals, and you know he didn't have a great career there and didn't win in the playoffs. So that was expected to happen. You know, you look at Tomlin. Tomlin is second only to uh, Belichick, and then it it drops way down, way down. Yep. After that, and you you, you know what is it? Peyton does next after that, I think, mm-hmm. down in uh, uh, New Orleans. So at some point, you got to start wondering: Well, are the old guys still with it, or? has the game changed so much that we need these these new formats and these new ways of thinking and then you watch a game like the uh tigers has played yesterday against oklahoma state and you realize sometimes that old school thinking of sticking to running the football pays off absolutely and you can't you can't rely on this newfangled stuff that people are trying to do so i don't don't know where all this is I'm, i'm just i'm missing i'm missing the game i grew up with at the same time, I'm marvel at some of the stuff that they're drawing up now when they run these plays. So I've heard this about Alabama that watching, like cheering for Alabama is like watching a game of blackjack and cheering for the house. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I've heard of what it's like cheering and, for Alabama. The house, the house is getting his butt whooped. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to go against Bama, man. I mean, I used to work in Mobile, Alabama, and so I would cover Alabama and Auburn just about every Saturday, go up to Tuscaloosa or go over to Auburn and, and cover these games firsthand. And there's nothing like it. You know, I, the only thing I can equate it to is opening day at Bush Stadium when it comes to the loyalty. And I'm talking that's every single Saturday in Tuscaloosa. Those fans are out there like that. And when, you, when you're around something of that caliber, you can really respect the traditions and everything that's going on. So for Saban to do what he's doing, at that level for this long, knowing that everybody in college football would like nothing better than to pick you off, there's something to be said. There really is something to be said for that. So, with you being the uh, the hard scrabble newsman that you are, now I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to pick your brain about something. Wesley yes. Bell mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> is uh, now the St. Louis County prosecutor. Officially, he yes. was sworn in yesterday. Already had a big first day at work on the yeah. second. Uh, fired a, uh, a veteran assistant prosecutor, Kathy. Is it Elizada? Eliza Day? Uh, Have you gotten the pronunciation yeah. on it yet? I, I, you know what? I haven't had to say her name yet, so I yeah. don't want to say mm-hmm. it's just that or the other. But I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts on that? Is this Is this a, a good thing for the region? Is it Is, is, well, it, is it being hard to tell? Have to you know, kind of a it, well. That's it from here. Back to you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 really one of these things where you go, time will tell, because we need the major things, major shakeups to happen, we do. the the big uh, uh, court battles to take place for us really to know where we are in all of this. But I will equate it back to sports. When a new coach comes in, he interviews everybody on that present coaching staff and gets a feel for what guys are my guys, what guys are going to adapt to the way I'm going to do things, or do I need to bring in my loyalist? Because – when all it comes down to it, it's his neck. And if the people around me don't believe in what I'm doing, I need to trust everybody. So if he felt like going in there that he couldn't trust these people because they'd been with McCullough so long or whatever, I got to respect his decision-making. Now, did he make the right decision? I won't know until cases come up, until things are tried, until we have, hopefully we don't have what we've had in the past, as far as the, the disruptions in our in our St. Louis region. But unless something comes up where people are really picking sides and he makes a big decision, it's going to be tough to say he made the right move. 
Okay. I mean, in all honesty, we, we won't know until it's either a smooth ride or a bad ride. Um, but I do understand why a person decides I need my people around me. There's a layer of protection he needs to have. And I think he decided that's what I got to do. This person isn't, isn't showing me enough loyalty right now for me to keep them on. That would be my guess. Just a quick follow-up, kind of along yeah. the same lines as, as Lida Cruz yeah. and Sam Dotson when, when yeah. Lida, on Lida's first day as mayor of the mm-hmm. city. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when you look at that, I'm not I'm that was a hard one for me because, you know, you know, people, right. And you're around people and you like people. Now, if she felt because she's had another layer at that point, I was I was more of a news or a sports person than a news person. So my uh, intelligence on it wasn't the same as it is now. So at the time, I'm thinking, OK, there was a power struggle there and he lost. That would be my initial thought, that there was something going on there where she felt that she needed to make some type of move. And either he became the fall guy to make an example of the for the entire police force or there was some type of disagreement. And she felt like he's not going to be on my team. Now, Hayden, so far, you know, I like I like listening to him. I like watching what he's doing. He seems to have a plan. There seems to be actions taking taken but at the same time nothing has changed in our city you know we're still reporting murders and carjackings and the stuff has not ceased at any point um and i don't know if one man can do that i don't know if one police force can change that it might just take people saying enough's enough to get those things done um but going back to lida again you're the person in charge first thing you're going to do is you're going to protect yourself as well as hopefully protect the city. But I think their first thoughts is, who are the people who are going to follow me? Who are the people that believe in the same things I believe? And if they feel like those people don't, to them, there's too much on the line just to go with the status quo, that you've got to make change. And and maybe those are decisions that are being made or have been made. Well said, Rennie. Uh, Before we let you go, I I got to ask, uh, the last time, since the last time we've talked, uh, the Cardinals have signed Paul Goldschmidt, uh, mm-hmm. move for Andrew Miller. Yep. Um, soccer seems to be uh, another thing in St. Louis mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. The XFL is now coming yeah. to St. Louis. Come on now. It's it's going to be a nice couple of years here for St. Louis. I got to know what's what's got you jacked the most. Oh, I would say baseball. Yeah, baseball by far. Now I am pumped about you know USA football or soccer coming in playing at Bush Stadium. That's kind of fun too. Long-term wise, I don't know what the XFL is going to be. You know, we saw it. It was kind of a joke. Could it could it last in our region? Are people going to follow it? I don't think we're the deciding factor on that. The deciding factor is going to be the national caliber yeah, yep. watching the game. Because the league has to survive. It's not just the team surviving. The whole league has to survive. Soccer-wise, hey, I, I was in Washington, D.C. when the MLS got started. And the D.C. United won like three of the first four championships. And I was there for that. It's tremendous. It is great. And as much as we have professional soccer in our area, the MLS is the TV team, okay? They're actually playing national games that you can watch on ESPN. And that's why they get the bigger nod. I'm excited about that, too, because I, for some reason, have fallen in love with soccer. Maybe because my kids played and they got me watching World Cups and things like that. But you really start to watch the triangles and stuff like that that are being set up and the different the different ways that they play defense. And I got a better appreciation for the game because, to be honest with you, I was one of those people that said one to nothing. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you're I mean, a lot of people were like that. And you're a football really guy, behind. too, Renny. You're a football oh, guy, I, too. I, yeah. I can get behind a nil-nil game right now. It's like, okay, I, I understand what they were doing here. But I used to be a guy that wanted, you know, give me six, seven, eight goals in a game. <laughs> now I'm okay with one because I can appreciate everything around it. You know what I mean? Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But I think baseball has got me most excited because it's been a while since we had an opportunity to celebrate this team. And that team brings this whole city together. I don't care what race you are, what type of money you make, where you live. The Cardinals matter to you in one way or another. You either love them or you you don't like them as much as you like your other team. But for the most part, this whole city gravitates around that team. And and when they're doing well, St. Louis is a great place to be. 
He, well said. He is Rennie Knott. You can catch him on in the mornings on today in St. Louis on Channel 5 KSDK. He starts at 6 a.m., correct? No, I start at 5 a.m. 5 a.m. Oh, wow. He starts yeah. at 5 a.m., yeah. which means I, he's got to be getting to bed here pretty right soon. Now. Yeah, we're, yes. we're cutting yes. into, yes, into his bedtime. <laughs> uh, Rennie, thanks again for your time. We look forward thanks, to having guys. you on again soon. Please, you know my number. Call Absolutely. me anytime. Thanks, Rennie. Thanks, Rennie. See ya. Take Thank care. You. Hey, Rennie, Bye-bye. the nicest man in St. Louis media is Rennie Knott. You've been listening to the Last Man Up podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at Last Man Up Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Burger. You can follow Clay at Ton of Clayton, and you can follow Andy at Emo Six. This is normally when we would do the uh, the t- the hot uh, sports takes well, of the week. Yeah, it's the top five hot sports takes of the week by uh, awful announcing, but they don't have them this week. They don't have them this week. So instead, they have the, hot, they have the top ten of the year, so we're not going to do those. We either. have to create our own content. For yeah, God. yeah, we have to like be original. <laughs> And not steal Joey Ham's content. Yeah. Hey, as Pablo Picasso once said, "Good artists borrow, but great artists steal." That's right. Let's uh, let's talk about the uh, the NFL playoffs. Let's now. do it. Week seventeen is over. The field is set. Yes. The one and two seed in the AFC, Kansas City and New England. The one and two seed in the NFC, New Orleans and the uh, the Los Angeles Rams. Yep. Um, I think the team to look out for in the AFC is Baltimore. The way that defense is playing, they have that offense now with um, with Lamar Jackson that people just haven't seemed to figure out yet because yep. it's kind of like a run player option. Right. Um, I, I, if I was in the NFC right now or the AFC right now, the team that I would fear the most has got to be Baltimore. I wouldn't be afraid of. Um, I, I mean, the Chiefs. Yeah, they got that great offense, but that defense is terrible. New England. They are. I mean, they're still New England, but they don't seem like to be at the at the peak of their powers. Ah. To me, the the road through the AFC goes through New England. I don't care how many points you put up per game, but until someone can formally beat the New England Patriots, you know, in the playoffs year after year, you know, that's when I'll start doubting the Patriots. But I mean, they finished with ten plus win season again. Bill Check, you know, has got all the all the guys in the right places. Um, yeah, and it's the playoffs. Playoffs are a whole new season. They are. Uh, and you forget completely about what happens you know, in I the mean, regular they, season. They've been there, done that. Another right. team in the AFC that I'd be worried about are the Indianapolis Colts right now. Yep. They're playing probably their best football since it, you know since they've had Andrew Luck as their quarterback. Right. Their defense is really good. Mm-hmm. The offensive line is really good. Right. Andrew Luck is Andrew Luck. Yep. And their skill position players are starting to come around, too, with T.Y. Hilton and Marlon Mack, yep. Eric Ebron. Um, you know, I, as much as I've been kind of riding the Texans bandwagon a little bit uh, since they started their winning streak, Demarius mm-hmm. losing Demarius Thomas hurts. Their secondary is not very good. Their offensive line is not very good. Deshaun Watson's been knocking around more than any quarterback in the NFL. Yep. I am predicting the Colts going down to Houston and knocking off the Texans early. I think so, too. And people forget, or people don't even realize, I mean, aside from Patrick Holmes and Drew Brees, I mean, number three in your MVP discussion has to start and end with Andrew Luck. I mean, going into the year, people definitely had their doubts, and he struggled a little bit early. But, man, he has caught fire since midseason and has not stopped. He has played the best out of, you know, out of really any quarterback, you know, the second half of the season. Switching to the NFC, the wild card game on Saturday is the Seattle Seahawks heading to Dallas to take on uh, Des, not Des, Dak Prescott and uh, (laughs) Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, R.I.P. Des in Dallas. In in Arlington, um, the Seahawks, there were a lot of people who didn't think they were going to make it this far. I've heard some pundits say that they thought the Seahawks had the worst, one of the worst rosters in the NFC. But they're playing great football now, too. No one runs the ball better than what Seattle does. Their defense yep. is coming along, too. And Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson. He's one of those guys. He just he does not make mistakes. Mm-hmm. He takes care of the football. I can almost see Seattle going down to Dallas and knocking off the Cowboys. No, I, I'm right there with you. I was listening. Uh, I was coming home from Kansas City Chiefs game on uh, Monday. It was on a Sunday afternoon, but I was coming home Monday. And uh, I was listening to our good friend Colin Coward, who we all completely love and adore. Absolutely, with a much much He's affection. The best. But I think he made a really <laughs> he made a really good point that Russell Wilson is one of those few QBs that can completely carry a team where you don't need to surround him with 10 other offensive players because he's going to get it done with the guys that he's got, and he can carry a team into the postseason and, and pretty far in the playoffs. The trajectory that he was on a few years ago, I thought he was going to be the next face of American sports. Oh, yeah. 
because you had Derek Jeter retiring, you had Peyton Manning retiring. Yep. I'm like, there needs to be a new face of of American sports. Yep. I thought for sure it was going to be Russell Wilson. Yeah. Now it seems like it's kind of like it's like LeBron slash Steph Curry. Yep. But uh, uh, like you're saying, Russell Wilson, you're right. I think he's someone that can carry a team. Absolutely. He's a great leader. Um, the people in the locker room who were not fans of his have been have been eradicated. They're gone. Right. So, yeah, it, it's his team now. I would not be shocked if they go down to Dallas and they win. Um, the game on Sunday night, the wild card game, the Philadelphia Eagles, they find their way back in the playoffs when it looked like it was not going to happen. Mm. Nick Foles, again, picks up the mantle and leads the Eagles back into – uh, back into the postseason against the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field. I remember one time many years ago there was the Fog Game, the Fog yes. Bowl. Yes, that was the Eagles between the Bears. I don't know what the weather's going to be like in Chicago, but I would doubt it's going to be that bad again. It's going to be cold as shit. It's going to be cold because it's, it's Chicago. I like this Bears team a lot in the NFC because they can run the ball well. They play great defense, obviously. The thing that makes me nervous is how is Mitchell Trubisky going to yep. handle the second season? To me, that he's got to be the biggest question mark if you're the Bears. It's not going to be cold. It's going to be uh, 42, high of 42, the low of 32. 42, what's the wind chill? Oh, it doesn't say. Okay, the wind chill is going to be out out the wazoo. But, no, I, I completely agree. And uh, I go back to uh, this coward. Uh, wind's less than 8 miles per hour. Oh, wow. Beautiful day. That, that's not bad. Beautiful day in Chicago. That's not bad for Chicago day. in January. Um, something that I mean, you brought up a point. Mitchell Trubisky is is the X factor with for the Bears. I mean, obviously, you know, if he doesn't play well, they're not going to do a damn thing. Um, but I I I really like that game. It's an interesting game to me. Part of me wants Nick Foles to go in there and throughout the playoffs and run the table and just completely go off because then it's going to create a whole other controversy about Carson Wentz versus Nick Foles well, in the offseason. I'm here for it. I mean, I think if you're Philadelphia, I think you know that Carson Wentz is your future. Do you? Yeah, you do. You think? Carson Wentz last year until he got hurt was the MVP. And he came back and look what happened. He came back, but okay, he was coming back from a knee injury. It took, it took some time for him to get better. And that offensive line wasn't as good. The, their skill position players weren't as good. So for some reason, Nick Foles just kind of has like a little bit of that instead of Fitz magic, and they got Nick magic. And that's what you need in the playoffs. That's that's kind of what you need in the playoffs. But I mean, if, if they if he goes to Chicago and they and he gets stomped, then you know then the discussion's talking, yeah, over. Is, 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 yeah, you're right. The discussion's over, and then I think Nick Foles kind of becomes one of those quarterbacks that's going to be going into the off season. Like him, Joe Flacco, maybe Eli Manning, depending on what the Giants do, yep. where they, he could be wearing a different uniform next year. If I'm the Jacksonville Jaguars, I go all I go all in on Joe Flacco. I don't know about going all in, but I definitely think you give him a look. Oh, I would go in all in on him. I mean, Joe Flacco, you can win with him. I think they're going to take a quarterback in the first round, though. I have five rules that I live by. <laughs> Never get less than 12 hours sleep. Okay. Never play poker with a guy whose first name is a city. Okay. Never get involved with a woman who's got a tattoo of a dagger on her body. Okay. Don't ever count out Tom Izzo in March. Okay. Don't ever sleep on Nick Foles in January. <laughs> well, those, those first three rules were from the the basketball coach and Teen Wolf. They are very good. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love that. I, can throw I, for, that I forgot kind what the name of that out. coach was in Teen Wolf. Uh, his name is um, Coach Finstock. When, Finstock. Uh, when uh, Bill Simmons, Bobby Finstock. When Bill Simmons was writing for Page Two on ESPN.com before he got all annoying and full of himself, he would have like you know the the, the funniest thing was the Bill Simmons um, mailbag where people yeah. were emailing him questions. Right, and one of them was, "Do you think that uh, the reason why Scott Howard wore number forty two when he was playing basketball is because much like Jackie Robinson paving the way?" For uh, black players in Major League Baseball, he paved the way for werewolves <laughs> to play high school basketball yes. in Nebraska. Yes. And I'm, I just sat there in my desk and just laughed hysterically about that. That's I'm like, funny. someone is really clever. Love that. that. Very clever. Very clever. Love that. So this weekend, uh, who, who are we thinking on, on these uh, wild card playoff games? Thinking Colts over Texans, right? I'm right there with you. Okay, him. Yeah, I got yep. Colts too. I got Seahawks. These are the most, these are the most boring picks ever because we're all going to agree with yeah. each other. Well, I mean, I got Seahawks over Cowboys. See that one? I'm not as confident about. I think I think the Colts down go down to Houston absolutely work them. Uh, the one I'm less confident in, just because Dallas has a really really good defense. They do, and Dak Prescott is not Russell Wilson, but he's also a guy that doesn't make a ton of mistakes. He's not going to wow you by any means, but he manages the game. And also, when you have one of the best running backs in the league, that helps. That helps. Uh, Chargers Ravens rematch from a couple weeks ago. 
Um, do not discount the Chargers on this. As much as I was... I'm all over the Chargers on this. As, as much as I was pumping up the Ravens on that one, the reason why the Ravens are kind of catching everybody by surprise is because they're not seeing this offense. This is like most teams, this is the first time they're seeing it. Yep. For the Chargers, this is the second time they're going to be seeing it. Right. The Chargers, the only also the only team in the NFL, I believe that was 8-0 on the road. Yep. So they're not going to have any problem going to Baltimore to play. The thing that kind of hurts them... That game's at 12.05. They're coming from Los Angeles all the way over to the East Coast. Yeah. I think that's going to hurt them a little bit. I like the Ravens in that one. Eagles, Bears, I'm going all in with Chicago on that one. I think the Bears are going to win it. I like the Bears, too, but I hope Nick Foles at least makes it interesting just because I want to see him. I want to see him succeed. I like Nick Foles. Bears are uh, a six-point favorite. That's the largest spread of the weekend? That's a huge, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, yep. Because uh, Indianapolis-Houston, Houston's a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Dallas is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Baltimore is favored by a field goal. Um, I, I, I don't want to go Chicago. I want to see Nicky Foles get back to the Super Bowl. He's one of your rules. He's one of my rules. Don't sleep on Nick it. Foles in January. <laughs> stick by it. Uh, I like Dallas. I like I like the Chargers, and I like uh, I like in the uh, Indianapolis Colts. As much as we always talk about how October is a great month for sports, January's January is a wonderful right month. April is a good month for sports. January's a pretty good month too. Yeah, you got the national title game. Yep. You've got the NFL playoffs. Conference play starts in college basketball. Conference play starts in college basketball. Um, NBA's getting into full swing. NBA starting to get into full swing. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fun time to be a sports fan here in January. Special thanks to Rennie Knott for joining us in the program. You can follow him on Twitter at Rennie Knott Sports. Make sure you catch him. Oh, wait, I had, on one, I, had one more, I had one more hot take to give. Oh, okay. That the Chiefs will lose their first round by this weekend. Because they always lose their first playoff game. Oh, they're, so they're, they're going to lose. They're going to lose. They're going to lose their, yeah. There goes all of our subscribers in Kansas City. <laughs> Andy, Andy hands them with one, Just with one quick strip move of the pin. Drop the A-bomb. And comedy's hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the Chiefs, they, they have not, they've won one playoff game in 25 years. Yeah, they, they are not good at, they are not good in playoff games. Uh, to me, it all depends on who they play. I would love, they I would are playing, love to see them play San Diego. I think that would be a really, really fun game to watch. I think it okay, would be, too. So, breaking it down, so they, they're going to play the lowest winning seed from the AFC wildcard round. So, if the Colts win, they will play the Colts. If the Texans win and the Chargers win, then the Char- they'll play the Chargers. If the Texans win and the Ravens win, then they'll play with the Ravens. Correct. I think if the Ravens go to Arrowhead, I think I think the Chiefs are in real trouble. And I think, I think it, so too. And I think any Chiefs fan who who will be honest with you will say the same thing. Yep, they're they're in real trouble. I they'll have, they'll have a they real can, bad feeling. I think they can handle Indianapolis. I think they're in trouble with the Chargers. Go to go to Arrowhead as the well. Chargers have, have beaten them in Arrowhead before. So Patrick Mahomes first playoff. Got to think that's a factor. Uh, it's, it's, that's probably going to be a little bit of a factor. Andy Reid in the playoffs too is always going to be a right. little bit of a factor. He always means he always manages to do something kind of screwy. Right. Um, another thing is that I mean. One victory at twenty five years. That's 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 going to be a lot of pressure on it's him. hanging over his head. I mean, they're going to be they, they may not, they're not going to say, hey, it's got nothing to do with us. We weren't here then, right? No. It has, and that's what's so crazy. It but really it's going to be something that, to do. It's, it's going to be something weighing in the back of their head. Yeah, something's going to fun, something funny is going to happen. A bounce won't go their way. A call won't go their way, and they're going to be like, here we go, we're cursed. It's the Mizzou football curse. That's what it is. Could it be. is. It's, it's, the curse of, it's the curse of Chase Daniel. <laughs> it's the curse of Chase Daniel. No, no, no. It's the curse of Chase Daniels. Daniels. Yes. My bad. <laughs> I've had too much Jack Daniels. <laughs> uh, All right. Now you can wrap the show up. Special thanks to Rennie Knott. Make sure you catch him on Today in St. Louis on KSDK starting at 5 a.m. You can follow him on Twitter at Rennie Knott Sports. You've been listening to the Last Man Up podcast. We'll catch you on the other side.